Today on the podcast, we have an incredible guest, Deepak Bansal, and we're going to talk about the economic dimensions of pediatric treatment abandonment. But first, let me introduce him. So Deepak is a professor in the Hematology Oncology Unit in the Department of Pediatrics at the Postgraduate Institute of Medical Education and Research in Chandigarh, India. He has 18 years of experience in dealing with childhood cancers, and he is an active clinician, academician, and researcher. He has nearly 175 publications to his credit, and he is currently secretary of the Pediatric Hematology Oncology Chapter of the Indian Academy of Pediatrics. He is a section editor of the hematology section of the Indian Journal of Pediatrics and the associate editor of the Pediatric Hematology Oncology Journal. He has received many awards in the field of pediatric hematology oncology and just all around an incredible person. So it was great to get to sit and talk with him. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Dr. Deepak Bansal. Hey, so I'm here with Deepak Bansal, who has graciously joined me to talk about socioeconomic support for reducing treatment abandonment in low-income countries. And we're sitting outside again, just like last time, outside of the Kyoto Convention Center at SIOP at the annual Congress 2018. It's another beautiful day. The trees are still beautiful. This is absolutely an unbelievable place. So Deepak is here to join us. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark, for involving me in this. It's it's a good opportunity to talk to you. Well, let's roll right into it. Um, And you presented recently about India's experience reducing treatment abandonment by providing different types of uh, economic support or socioeconomic support, as you called it. So why don't you go ahead and just introduce us to that effort? Like, how did you get involved and how did, where did it come from? Well, uh, you know, in lower middle income countries, uh, the overall socioeconomic profile is not as good as the developed countries. I mean, that's obvious. So uh, the treatment abandonment is a uh, realistic issue. Uh, so it, it it basically means that uh, of 100 patients who need to be treated, many would either not start treatment upfront or they would drop out along the way. So uh, it's an everyday issue for us in uh, management of patients and uh, and at other centers as well in India. So we have looked at the data and uh, we have, but you know, uh, the cloud has a silver lining and things have improved over the years. And uh, in the presentation, I try to present how um, specific efforts, including socioeconomic support, uh, improves uh, treatment abandonment. And do you have a specific experience that, I don't know, made this problem real to you? Like, is there a patient that you think of when you think about this problem, or is there a, a situation that comes to mind? Yes, Mark, it's, it's, it's very much real. Um, we have data of for specific cancers, like acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is a blood cancer. Uh, every year, we receive about 180 new patients of ALL per year at our center in Chandigarh, India. Uh, and of these, uh, uh, we have publications to show that the abandonment, abandonment used to be pretty high about 10 years earlier and has significantly reduced uh, after 10 years uh, by a number of initiators which were uh, done in the unit. Yeah, why don't we talk about some of the specific efforts that you guys have done? So you mentioned, um, I'm sorry, you'll have to say the place name again. Chandigarh. Yeah, like, so uh, we looked at our specific experience of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, uh, which is a blood cancer uh, at, our, uh, at our center in Chandigarh, which is a city north of Delhi. Uh, so the data was first published in 2009. And of 762 patients, um, treatment abandonment was as high as 45%. So 30% patients uh, refused treatment upfront, 
and 15% uh, kind of lost on the way. Uh, but over the years, a uh, number of interventions have been done. And uh, these include uh, getting speciality fellows. And now the fellowship program has been running in our unit for nearly 10 years. Uh, uh, Non-governmental organizations, the NGOs, have been kind enough to give us nurses, social workers, and data entry operators. Uh, the nurses contribute to giving chemotherapy and taking care of the central lines. Uh, the daycare oncology unit was begun as well. And several modifications were done in the treatment protocol. And uh, you know what? Uh, uh, money is available from government sources, but one needs somebody to tap it and to kind of do the paperwork. So the social worker helps in filling the forms and uh, tracking uh, the funds which are available from the government. So as a result, in the publication in 2017 uh, of nearly 375 patients, uh, the default rate had gone down from 15% to 2%. So I think that's really encouraging. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. And so you're saying that there was money available from the government? Is that correct? Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, we have the, uh, the the state, just like we are the prime minister of the country, it's like the chief minister in the local province. So they have funds available and they have to be tapped, uh, like specific money for cancer patients. So one has to fill up the forms, submit them, follow them and ensure that the money reaches the patient. So the social worker really uh, does the paperwork and helps in collecting funds. Like last year in 2017, our social worker was able to collect more than $200,000 US dollars for nearly 320 patients. Wow. And so were there other costs for the patients besides what was collected from the government? Uh, Mark, that's a good question. So you know what? Uh, the Money is not only needed for uh, drugs and investigations, which is direct uh, treatment cost. Uh, money is also needed for you know transport from home to the city, as well as food accommodation. So there's plenty of uh, I mean we call this as out of pocket expenditure. So that's always there. And to be very frank with you, not all of that gets covered uh, by the funds which are available from the government. Gotcha. So there are still some costs that the patients were incurring. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking about it in terms of money, but then you also said that at this center, you increase manpower and you increase some of the supportive care services. So it sounds like you formulate socioeconomic support, not as just here's money, but also we need to support the patients through care in these various ways. Yes, Mark. You're, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's a multi-pronged strategy and it's not money which works. Um, one needs like nutritionists to provide, uh, uh, to tell the patients, uh, because uh, once the chemo is given, the appetite reduces, uh, the child loses weight, and uh, when there is malnutrition, the outcome reduces. So one needs a nutritionist, and again, thanks to NGO, we have, uh, we have now two uh, nutritionists who are able to help the patients. And then um, we also have, have, a, have another social worker who is able to track patients. So, so, so it's not just the money, it's other multiple factors which uh, come in to reduce abandonment. Yeah, so it sounds like a real community effort that you have the government helping with the money part. But then there's also an NGO, as you said, support, giving some of this other type of support. And then you have within the team itself, social support or psychosocial support, I suppose. Correct. That so is it's, correct. it's yeah. multiple levels. Yes. Okay, yes. Which, thus the term socioeconomic support. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a good way to approach it. So beyond Chandigarh, you've had a lot of experience, and hopefully I said that place right, uh, you've had a lot of experience with addressing treatment abandonment all over India. So why don't you tell us about some of these other places and some of the successes y'all have had? Sure. I mean, India is a vast country, and uh, 
we've looked at hard uh, data, the, the data which has actually been published. So we have looked at several cities. Uh, so the one of the biggest centers in India is Tata Mumbai. Uh, it's it's the biggest in terms of the patients that they see per year, uh, the pediatric oncology cases. And they have looked at their seven years data uh, of the uh, hematolymphoid malignancies. And uh, multiple holistic patient support measures have been done by them. Um, which has really helped to improve uh, the abandonment. So they've had infrastructure growth. Uh, the entire unit was renovated. Uh, funds have been collected uh, for accommodation. They have built a home away from home, wherein uh, many patients have to stay in the uh, near the vicinity of the hospital for the first several months. And so that's a, that's a major expenditure. And uh, patients can stay in the home away from home. Uh, besides this, uh, there is psychosocial counseling and multiple other uh, things which have been done. So, in fact, in Tata Mumbai, in 2010, uh, they raised uh, nearly 300,000 US dollars. And this, by 2016, had gone up to more than 2 million US dollars in the year. So, so, so that's a major achievement. And as a result of which, uh, the patient registrations for them in 2009 were 500 which increased to nearly 875 by 2016. And the abandonment rates in the years gone went down from 32% to 3.4%. So that's really impressive for Tata Mumbai. Wow, no kidding. So you not only increased the amount of patients that you saw in the center by, what is that, something like 40%, but you decreased abandonment rate to, I mean, single digits, low single digits, 3% from 30%. That's just unbelievable. And then did you see some survival gains because of that? Yes, so Tata Mumbai reported that for a acute lymphoblastic leukemia, their overall five-year survival went down from 67% uh, to uh, 90% projected three-year survival in 2016. From 67% to 90%, which, I mean, rivals the best in the world. Correct. Yes, that, uh, that, that is indeed correct. It's a projected three-year survival. To get the exact number, one would need to look at the five-year overall survival. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, so if you're interested in the data from this paper, we'll post it on the website because these are very impressive results. So, okay, so that was Mumbai. Where else have we looked at? Right. So then there's a city called Lucknow. Uh, it's the capital city of uh, the most populous state uh, called UP in northern India. And they reported their data in 2016. And uh, for 28 beds that were reported, uh, the staff uh, was kind of meager with a with just a single pediatric oncologist and uh, just three residents. But and in their seven year study uh, of uh, 420 patients with ALL, uh, 75 that is 18 percent had treatment abandonment. So uh, they specifically uh, did two interventions, which include counseling and uh, treatment subsidies. And counseling was done in three uh, stages. First by the physician followed by the social worker and by the physician again. And they also believed quite a bit in group counseling, wherein uh, the survivor patients with uh, patients who were survivors and their families were included in the group counseling as well. And uh, with the help of uh, their uh, state government, they were able to make the treatment and drugs free. And uh, amazingly, their abandonment in from 2009, which was about 33% for ALL, went down to 9% um, in 2013. So that's really impressive too. And did they learn any lessons about who was likely to abandon from the study? Yeah, that's a good question, Mark. And um, they did look at high-risk factors. And uh, besides lower socioeconomic class and uh, parents being daily wagers, 
you know, other factors like illiterate parents or too many siblings in nuclear families uh, were found to be a high risk factor. And uh, financial problem was a leading reason. Even when the treatment, the entire treatment was free of cost. And that's, that's uh, because as we, has, as we had discussed earlier, it's the out-of-pocket expenditure and the loss of pay, which adds up to the expenses. Loss yeah. of pay for the families. Yes. That because, they were missing work. Absolutely. Because when they change the city and come to the city of the hospital, uh, parents are often uh, daily wagers. So they just lose, uh, they just stop earning. And, and the money, uh, you know, flows out of the pocket for uh, the other expenditures like accommodation, food and travel. So when we're thinking about this problem, should we be thinking about it in terms of certain patient populations, say patients that require help from the government that can't pay, that don't have private insurance, or should we be thinking about this across the spectrum? Uh, well, that's an interesting uh, one, Mark. And uh, when we look at LMIC, you know, typically we have hospitals wherein, uh, which are funded by the government. So those are the government hospitals. And then we have the so-called corporate hospitals, which are private hospitals. So, you know, there's a study from Chennai, which is a city in southern part of the country. And uh, that hospital is called the Child's Trust Hospital, and they published their results in 2015. And uh, even in corporate hospitals in LMIC, not all patients who visit uh, would have, you know, extra cash. And uh, they had two cohorts of patients. One was uh, the funded patients, about 100 in number. And the average family income was US dollars 90 uh, per month. And, on, and the non-funded patients were the ones who had a family income of about five times that number. So uh, uh, the families which had a uh, lower uh, monthly salary were the entire treatment was covered by volunteer groups. And you know what? Uh, there was absolutely no treatment abandonment in the funded group. So, so that's really great. So uh, the authors of this study concluded that uh, financial support is required even for a subsection of patients who visit the so-called uh, private or the corporate hospitals in LMIC. Yeah. So private insurance itself doesn't protect against abandonment? Uh, well, you know, Mark, so most of the patients in LMIC uh, lack uh, insurance. So the large majority of patients would not have insurance and that is the re reason why one needs uh, financial help for these patients. Only a minority would have insurance in LMIC. Okay, so as we've been talking, we've been talking in terms of financial support for the families, but then also providing these other services. Is there a way to tease out or a way to demonstrate um, the effect of just one or the other, like, like looking specifically at the importance of staff, say, financing uh, quality care within a department? Uh, you know what, Mark, uh, when an NGO wants to help an institution, uh, the physician has to decide whether they really need the money to buy medicines uh, for the patient, or whether that money can be used to some can be put to some other use, and that can be a difficult one to decide. So every unit has to look at what they really need, and sometimes um, you know besides giving money uh, for, to buy the medicines or make the investigations free of cost, uh, what one really needs is staff. So when one increase increases doctors, nurses, social workers, you know uh, if the NGOs can support uh, staff rather than giving uh, you know cash to the patients. That can really be helpful in the long term uh, because uh, doctors and nurses can really be overburdened in LMIC and the real help can actually come uh, by funding the positions of uh, the medical and the paramedical staff in these, in, in these units. And one does have evidence and this is from Trivandrum, uh, which is a city in southern state of Kerala in India. And uh, the NGO was able to support several nurses, doctors and other staff. And as a result, their abandonment had reduced by nearly 
just by supporting staff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So speaking in terms of uh, finances to reduce treatment abandonment makes a lot of sense. But is it universally uh, effective in your experience or are there times where maybe money is not the, the main problem? Yeah, uh, you know, Mark, I mean, it's a, it's a complex issue. And, you know, when we look at uh, solid tumors in children, so it's a, it's a multidisciplinary approach. Um, it's, it's not just the pediatric oncologist who's involved in care. We have radiotherapist, the pediatric surgeon, um, the pathologist, uh, and other uh, ancillary departments. So, you know, the patient has to go to multiple places. And we looked at uh, our abandonment of a highly curable tumor. It's, it's the tumor of the kidney called the Wilms tumor. And our abandonment in, 2000, in the period from 2005 to 2010 was 23%. And in the recent uh, years, that is from 2010 to 16, uh, it had dropped to 18%. But even an 18% number, you know, is, is kind of high for a highly curable tumor. So, you know, we wonder why this is so. And it's kind of surprising, but we think that, you know, uh, the tumors which need multidisciplinary approach tend to have a higher abandonment than uh, cancers which are under, you know, a single roof. So money is important, socioeconomic support is important, but then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big team effort and we really need to be coordinated and have an orchestrated management for tumors to be preventing treatment abandonment. So I think we really need to be talking to our colleagues as well so that we are on the same page as far as... Um, the wholesome management of the patient is concerned. Yeah. So money is important, but it does not explain everything. Correct. That, that's true. Well, I think that's a really insightful statement, and that helps to give us a, a, a good handle on the first place you need to think about when you start to think about treatment abandonment. But clearly, there's more to the story than that. And in future episodes, we're going to explore these other factors and how to address them. But is there anything else you'd like to say, any closing remarks, um, as people all across the world who may be listening are thinking about abandonment in their own center and how to support people economically. Uh, do you have any parting advice for them? Uh, well, Mark, um, treatment abandonment is an everyday uh, sort of uh, thing that we see in our uh, pediatric oncology clinics and any kind of help is is welcome. Uh, so what I've seen over the years is, is financial help is really critical. But besides financial help, uh, it's kind of the uh, the support of staff uh, infrastructure like buildings, beds, uh, daycare, accommodation like home away from home, uh, counseling, uh, psychosocial nutrition, patient tracking uh, are all add up to really, uh, you know, tackle this complex issue. One can say that, you know, treatment abandonment is a part and parcel of uh, low middle income countries and will continue to be there, which is true to some extent. But, you know, um, my, uh, sort of any effort which, is, which goes into it brings about immediate results. So I think uh, it, it's, it's an issue which is a big one, but there are definite solutions and they bring about real good results. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and if anybody's interested in talking to you more about this, is there a way they can get in touch with you? I can be contacted on my email ID, uh, which will be posted and it's uh, dpak, D-E-E-P-A-K, Bansal, B-A-N-S-A-L, Dr. D-R. So it's uh, dpak, Bansal, D-R at gmail.com and it'll be available, right? So we'll have that on the website. We'll post it at ghccpod.com, along with the lecture slides uh, for the presentation that he recently gave. So it has all of this information that uh, he just referenced, as well as we'll post some of the papers that he referenced to if you want to review those. So everything will be on the website, ghccpod.com. Okay, well, thank you so much for talking to us, Deepak. We thank you, Mark. Thank it. you for doing this.
I want to draw together the various important threads that comprise economic support, which Deepak explained, because this is so important for understanding abandonment. It's also, I think, maybe the least surprising cause of abandonment, to me at least. I've done some research in the area myself, but if you had asked me before I read a bunch of papers, what is the most important cause of abandonment? I would have probably answered money. I mean, it just makes intuitive sense, right? It's an important factor. And the available research definitely supports this fact. But, of course, that's not the complete story. As you heard from the conversation, it is a much more complicated issue than just pay for treatment. So let me summarize the levels of support that Deepak mentioned were necessary to effectively reduce abandonment. So he mentioned cancer treatment was paid for by the government in many places in India. This itself is an enormous achievement for India. There are many resource-constrained settings where patients have to pay for care themselves. So that the government pays for care is a big asset for India and may be a problem that other treatment centers in other locations have to work through. There's a related issue here that didn't come up in the conversation, but it's worth mentioning. Even when patients report having some form of insurance, that may only include a bare minimum number of essentials and patients are often responsible financially for other medical needs. This is known as the problem of underinsurance and is quite common in some places. So assistance with paying for treatment was one level of financial support. But then Deepak mentioned that even when treatment is free, research shows it's possible financial factors are the primary cause of abandonment nonetheless. That's because even when out-of-pocket costs were zero, there are still other indirect costs to families while going through cancer treatment. For example, he mentioned the cost of travel, of buying food and housing while away from home. There's also the cost of lost productivity at work, or even worse, being fired from a job because of the necessary time away from home during treatment. So the cancer treatment units in India had to either so the cancer treatment units in India either had to help provide these essentials or partner with local non-governmental organizations to help support the families. And nonprofit groups and community support is going to be a big recurring theme in the world of global oncology, and something we will explore more in a future episode. And this leads to a point that much of the type of economic support we are discussing isn't just providing money to families, but includes providing necessary services such as housing and meal support and transportation. This also includes financially supporting the necessary healthcare workers in a treatment unit which means not only having enough doctors, but nurses and nutritionists and psychologists and social workers and other important personnel. And so putting it all together like this, it's clear that this is a huge undertaking for a treatment center. What's more, for India, it itself is a huge place. According to the latest GlobalCan data, India alone represents 15% of all the new childhood cancer diagnoses in the world per year. So any incremental improvement in care translates to many lives saved, which makes the results that Deepak and his collaborators reported all the more impressive. So I wanted to again acknowledge their work because they've done just incredible things there. I also want to acknowledge that there is one big hanging question we didn't completely address in the discussion. We can talk about money all day, and we need to understand its role in abandonment. But the real question I have, and I imagine that others have, is where does the money come from? That's obviously not an easy question to answer, and in future episodes, I hope to talk to some guests who can relate their experience with exploring the financial aspects of providing care in resource-constrained settings and finding funding for improving programs. 
Until then, though, you can go over to cancerpoint.com, C-A-N-C-E-R-P-O-I-N-T-E.com. We occasionally have announcements about grants and funding opportunities, and we publicize them on our social media platforms and on the website. Um, We also have lists of training opportunities in global oncology and a list of experts for you to consult if you have specific clinical questions. Or if you have a funding opportunity that you would like publicized and you're listening to this, you can email us at CancerPoint and we will help publicize it for you. So the email address is info at cancerpoint.com. So I-N-F-O at cancerpoint, P-O-I-N-T-E dot com. And if you are interested in working to reduce treatment abandonment around the world, then join us in the PSYOP PODC Treatment Abandonment Working Group. You can find us on cureforkids.org, cure, the number four, and kids, K-I-D-S, dot org. You have to make a free username and password, and then you go over to groups and search for the Treatment Abandonment Working Group and apply to join the group. Okay, that's all I have for today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.